0: Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Jen. Hi, Mayor. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. I actually got a good night's sleep last night and woke up feeling ready to start Monday.
0: Well, that's good. What, What do you attribute to sleeping good last night?
1: Well, I went to bed at a good time. I've been getting up at the same time every day, even Saturday and Sunday. And honestly, I think that has as much to do with it as anything because my body is naturally getting tired about the same time every day because I'm getting up at the same time every day.
0: Are you, are you not napping?
1: I had a little cat nap yesterday, so 15 or 20 minutes, but I'm the kind of person that can take a brief nap. I know a lot of people can, can't can get away with that. Like if they lay down, they're out for two hours.
0: Mm, yeah, my sister's like that. But she never has problems sleeping at night. It's I'm envious of that. <laughs>
1: I am so envious of that. We had talked about sleep as being such a caregiver issue. I mean, sometimes I have been so depressed that I have slept way more than I needed, way more than I should, right? Sleeping away my problems. Um, And then other times I have had so many tasks as a caregiver that sleep seemed like a luxury I was never going to have again.
0: Yeah, I can, under, I relate to that so much. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of caregivers listening to us can relate to that. When I first became a Dole Foundation fellow that first year at the convening, actually it was the very first convening that the foundation had. I was on a panel, what keeps you up at night? Oh. And that can be a really long list. Like it's sort of like a metaphor, but for me, it was a reality. What keeps hmm. you up at night? I remember when I first became a caregiver, very early on in the 90s, that when I laid in bed at night, that's when everything came to me. All my anxieties, all of the concerns. And I had two kids, nine and 10 years old. And so so I had no time to think about any of the things that were of concern to me. The disability claim that we put in filing for social security disability, which was equal to Tom's health. What Mm -hmm. was next? Were we doing more IV antibiotics? Why is he still throwing up, you know, half the day? Like, you know, the kids, how are they doing in school? There's not going to be school tomorrow. Do we have enough money to pay our bills? I'm in school myself. How do I finish this? All of those things, as soon as I lay down, would come rushing into my head. It was so difficult to dismiss all of that. So when I was on that panel, it was really basically, I think related to the ALS part of our life, but all I could think about was those early nineties, I learned to sleep poorly Mm. at that point. It was a consistent problem for me. I think
1: that the hardest part for me, as far as sleep would go were the times when I was really helping my brother so, so much. And so then his sleep- issues became my sleep issues, right? Because he wakes up frequently from pain, bad dreams, needing to toilet, needing medication, all these, his machinery is noisy. So all these things. So the things that were affecting his sleep then affected my sleep. And I'm sure that was the same. That's been the same for you.
0: Well, and yes, in recent times with ALS, that's, that's the now would be the hospital bed makes a noise because it's meant the mattress turns. I mean, it's not an obvious turn, but it like lets air in and depress it, you know, take sucks air out and puts air in to move it around so he doesn't get bed sores. And then that has little lights. So I cover that with a towel. And then the fob that goes with that, if that flips up, that illuminates with a lot of light. His breathing machine makes noise. And if he breaks the suction from the mask that he's wearing <laughs> the arm goes off, or mm-hmm. I can hear him snoring, and then there's a ceiling lift, that, you know, to help carry him, get him up when I need to use that. That also has lights right above my bed, so I've I've um I've put tape over that, so I can't like it's oh you're always trying to do <laughs> all of these things that are happening. And it's crazy. It's, um, there's, there's so many things that can disturb the sleep that when I get a good night's sleep, it's really, it's amazing. So I have learned a couple of things. I will wear an eye mask when I go to sleep. I'm very unattractive when I go to bed. as probably a lot of people. I'm sure you're not. (laughs) I put, um, I have earbuds that I wear. I have Bose ones where it has a, um, like a white noise that I put on. I could still hear him if he needs me, but it kind of drowns out the rest of the extraneous noise, which is good. So it's it's, it's really a challenge. I use
1: earbuds also. I had the benefit of attending a sleep hygiene class that my brother went to when he was um, inpatient at uh, the Shepherd Center, which is a, a brain injury and spinal cord hospital. Um, and so, I didn't always accompany him to all of his therapies in his classes, but I went to the sleep hygiene class because they were encouraging caregivers to go. And I honestly, the term sleep hygiene seemed so foreign to me. I was like, this is strange. I mean, like I should take a shower before bed, which sometimes I do. That helps me relax. But it was so much more encompassing than that. Um, And I actually found some notes that I had made from that class. And one of them was to keep a consistent schedule. And And also to survey your environment, which you've done very well by covering up lights. You know, I have uh, blackout curtains and sometimes I use nature sounds or like meditation music in the background to help me sleep. Um, And I try not to sleep with so many blankets. I love to cocoon, but they really stress the importance of keeping your body cool.
0: Well, they say, so and I've, interestingly, I read a book over the summer, last summer, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, spent his whole career studying sleep. And he does say in his, his book that our rooms should be at a temperature of 66 degrees. We will sleep better because our bodies need to cool down. And that even if we were to take a warm bath or a warm shower before bed or a few hours before bed, that should not interfere with our sleeping and our body's cooling. It actually will help your body cool faster, and so I. And think it, that.
1: it sort of makes sense. Like when I think about, oh gosh, two hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, when it got cool at night, <laughs> we may have slept by a fire as humans, but we were certainly cooling down our core. Well, um, interesting observations. Of, I one of the things we talked about a lot in recent episodes was um, peer networks and peer support. And, you know, I utilize the AARP uh, Facebook group for caregivers, which I love. And I, I, you and I were just talking about both of us, for whatever reason have been waking up in the middle of the night and having trouble falling back asleep. And I went in the AARP Facebook group and I just posted like is is everybody having trouble sleeping? Is it the pandemic? Is it me? What's going on? And mayor, oh my gosh, this is a this is a caregiver pandemic of its own. Mm-hmm.
0: It's such poor. We have so many problems with our sleeping. We all have such poor sleep. So what yeah. did you, what did you find out? What were some of the responses? Um, so many people said, "I'm exhausted
1: all the time," and I can remember when I was in a really dark place and I didn't have good caregiver support. I didn't have good mental health. I wasn't physically taking care of myself, super burned out. Right. And that was the thing I found myself saying all the time when somebody would say, Oh, hi, Jim, how are you today? And I would say, I'm exhausted. And it, I said it so much that I heard myself saying it. And um, so when I was reading those comments, it really touched me like this caregivers need this. They need to know. Um, and there were a lot of folks who were saying, I'm always, I can't sleep deeply because I'm so hyper vigilant of falling of a toileting need of, of the, you know, breathing stopping of just all all of these things that my care recipient might experience in the middle of their night Mm -hmm. that I'm not, I'm not sleeping at all. And, um, that really struck me too, because you have to find a way to turn off. Even if you can only sleep for one hour at a time, you need to do that seven hours during the day. Your body needs seven hours of sleep during the day.
0: Yeah. And I, I do think that you need continuous sleep. I don't, I don't sleep for seven hours. I sleep for six hours. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really get a good seven in, but I, I get six in now, and I'm, I'm happy with that. I don't, I don't really know that there's a great answer for people who um, are caregivers to somebody who has a condition, whatever the disease is, or whatever the illnesses that somebody has, where they require total care. I mean, the solution is to have somebody come in and be, yeah. happy, you know, at night. So like a, un, you know, skilled care or in aid, depending on what somebody needs and what their condition is, you know, like I do think recently I've thought like, if you know, one caregiver, you know, one caregiver, we're all lumped into this big pool of, you know, caregivers need this and caregivers need this much sleep and they need to do this Mm -hmm. care of themselves. And that is just not true. That's like saying, you know, all people who live in the state of North Carolina are this kind of person and all those who live in Florida are this kind of person. We're all so diverse. We all have, we all come to this caregiver space for many different thousands of reasons and we all come as our own individual person, right? I did find in the peer group and I think you're absolutely right. So the ideal
1: prescription is that we get seven hours of sleep a night as humans and then you know, we eat an apple every day and we, we get an hour of sunshine and, you know, there are these, these prescriptions that are laid out for us to be the, the healthiest humans we can be. But as caregivers, you and I both know that's not going to happen. I probably sleep six hours and work in a nap when I can, but there's definitely caregivers out there like our friend, Larry Gary, who we've had on the show before, that she can't sleep more than an hour and a half at a time,
0: yeah, an she- hour. It took her a long time. She finally has skill care at night, and I want to say she has four hours. Mm-hmm. I tried, we talked the other day for like five minutes. Like every time we try to talk to each other, she's got a thing going, or then I something happens here, and so I never. We never seem to finish a conversation. But she, I believe, she has four hours. And I want to say she started with two skilled care. So you know, and her husband is um, service connected for ALS, and he's he's ventilated. I believe he needs uh, suctioning every every hour because during mm-hmm. during the hour it's very difficult to get sleep. She had the most difficult time with the VA approving the skilled care. That's now approved. Like she asked for three hours and uh, three nights and she got it. Then she asked for four nights and she got it. But those first two nights that she asked for, it was literally like pulling teeth where you you could really just cry for her. Like, how can people not understand that she cannot keep going for a year? She went with broken sleep seven nights a week, week in and week out. And she's a she's 51 years old. And really what a terrible thing that does to your body, does to your mental health. It's it's just so unkind. It's it's hard to even understand it. Yeah. And I I I have so much
1: just heartbreak over that fight that she had to put up just so that she could get a little bit of sleep so that she could make sure that her care recipient was okay. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not uncommon for caregivers to be so burned out, right, that they start having very serious physical um, ailments themselves, and then and then you're you're saying, well, then who's going to take care of both of us? It's that's that's the real risk. There is that the caregiver, without support, without good strategies, becomes so burned out that then then the caregiver and recipient are both at risk, um, and we need. We need more education nationally in our healthcare system, in our um, Medicaid and Medicare systems, and in the VA to understand the kinds of breaks that caregivers need. I mean, this isn't about, um, you know, having time to run to the grocery store or or to go get your nails done. Those things are wonder- wonderful. You know, I love when I can take a couple hours for myself. My favorite thing is to go to the beach and hunt for shark's teeth, but yeah. I this is it's systemically broken that we are not able to give our primary family caregivers the breaks that they need for simple things like sleep um i did find in the aarp group though mayor and this isn't going to surprise you but it's just another argument why peer groups are so so important because in addition to the folks who are saying me i'm burned out i can't sleep i don't know what to do there were as many caregivers who said I've had that, I've experienced that. And here's what I do. Here's a small thing I do. Here's something you can try. And there were so many great suggestions.
0: Yeah, we're very good at helping each other out. I think, you know, I think, you know, one of the phrases that I really like is I see you. You know. Mm -hmm. And it and it just, I'm willing to sit in the dark with you and hold your hand and let you just feel that comfort because you need that. And that's what they do in the AA. RP group. I'm also in a, I'm in a ALS spouse caregiver group. And it's very much like that in there as well. In fact, I just responded to somebody last night who had a lot of concerns and, and I, you know I can't make that go away for you. You're in the right place because we're all going through that. We're all, yeah. you know, we're all experiencing that. I think a lot of times for me, if anything keeps me awake at night these days um, sometimes I get like a sudden bout of like grief that just mm-hmm. kind of takes over and I can't get rid of it. And that, and I've learned to get out of bed.
1: Mm-hmm. That actually was one of the suggestions, Mayor.
0: Yeah. Get out of bed. If you are
1: awake for 20 minutes, get up. Uh, Melissa Comau, our our friend, Melissa, who wrote Sleeping with the Ward, that's how she wrote her book. She just got up and started writing. Well, if I'm not going to sleep, I'm going to do something else. And it may be that the other thing that you end up doing helps you get tired.
0: Yes, I think I, think I would advise people uh, not to go on social media, at two or three. And I've done that. I've, I've broken that rule myself. I've, I don't do it when I go to bed. I changed my, I used to read uh, Kindle on my iPad which has mm. social media on it, right? Mm. So see an alert would come in and I'd be tempted to look at it. And the, the lighting on the, the older iPads is not very conducive for sleep. So I bought a new Kindle, just a Kindle that just has a book on it. There's nothing else on it. And I read that when I go to bed and that has made a huge difference. It has like the right ambient lighting on it for mm-hmm. going to sleep. And, and it's just that, it's just a book. Without. You don't have
1: to remember to turn uh, turn the light out, or no, I can flip it, it
0: upside down and it goes down. You know, it goes. I love down. it. There's no um, on it. There's no Twitter. There's no. There's nothing on it. There's just a book. Some of
1: the some of the that's such a great suggestion, and some of the suggestions in the ARP group were: Have you tried reading? Keeping a book by your bed. Um, a lot of folks, especially if they share the room with their care recipient, you know there is light in the room anyway all the time. But, um, there were some in there that I found really interesting, like, uh, rubbing Vicks on your chest or like uh, scented oil on your, on your feet, like peppermint, which is very pleasant. I use, I, it reminded me that in the past, I actually have used an infuser with some oils, which are really nice. D- did the book that you read, read about sleep, did it happen to mention anything like that?
0: Like, um, yeah. Let's see. Um, he, he's very, um, he's very like sort of, sort of direct, like how you are like the physiological responses of sleep. Um, he, like, he talks a lot about the temperature, your body temperature. Um, he talks about not using sleep aids, like, uh, Enidril,
1: Ambien. Mm -hmm. Would you consider melatonin a sleep
0: aid? So he talks a little bit about that. He writes, I'll read you just a little something he wrote about right in the beginning of the book, which really grabbed me. Perhaps you've also noticed a desire to eat more when you're tired. This is no coincidence. Too little sleep swells concentration of a hormone that makes you feel hungry while suppressing a companion hormone that otherwise signals food satisfaction. And despite being full, you still wanna eat more. It's a proven recipe for weight gain and sleep deficient adults and children alike. Worse, should you attempt to diet but not get enough sleep while doing so, it is futile since most of the weight you lose will come from lean body mass, not fat.
1: Wow, okay, that's describing somebody I know. And it's, it's really frightening because the last thing that we need as caregivers is extra weight. And then to get in a perpetual cycle of weight
0: gain And it disrupts your blood sugar levels. So Mm -hmm. many times, um, caregiver or not caregivers, well, I guess caregivers, because we don't, we don't sleep well. So when people aren't sleeping well, it disrupts the blood sugar levels so profoundly that you can be classified as a pre-diabetic. Wow. Yeah. So he, like he, I highly, we will put a link to his, um, book in the, um, us the title and the author again. It's a why we sleep. Unlocking the Power of Sleep and Dreams, Matthew Walker, PhD. And he even says in his book, if you fall asleep while reading his book, that's the best compliment you could possibly give him. He's so happy (laughs) for you to fall asleep and to get some sleep. And I, I do know he mentions melatonin in here just because we produce melatonin. I've not done well with taking melatonin Myself, I, it's disrupted my sleep, actually. I tried- My to-
1: son struggled with uh, sleep after a concussion and uh, the doctor suggested we try melatonin. And for him, it actually did the same thing that it did to you. He wasn't able to sleep any better, actually. it got His sleep got worse. So that's obviously something I think that you should do under the advice and guidance of your doctor. But um, reading a book, keeping the room cool, Mm -hmm. maybe using a little peppermint oil all of those things are something that you can try and shouldn't adversely affect your health in any way
0: okay so he actually says 65 degrees so he says a, a bedroom temperature of around 65 degrees fahrenheit is ideal for the sleep of most people assuming standard bedding and clothing this may surprise many as it sounds just a little too cold for comfort of course, that specific temperature will vary depending on the individual in question and their unique physiology, gender, and age. But so really what he's saying is keep the room cool. A hot room is, is not conducive to good sleep, according to Dr. Walker.
1: I don't know if you have ever gone camping. Um, I love camping and was a, a scout leader for many, many years. So I did lots and lots of camping. And some of the best sleep I've ever had was in a tent on a... Cool fall night where it's definitely 65 or below, and there were some nature sounds like real nature sounds, not the ones coming from my phone. And I so I think there's a lot to be said about that 65 degrees. Well, should we challenge our listeners to try it and let us know how it works out?
0: Yeah, I think so. I and I had to get a little used to it because you know it is cold. Yeah, so I don't do 65, I do 66. 65 was too cold. Like if I have to go to the bathroom, which, you know, happens like (laughs) periodically during the night, not periodically during the week, (laughs) I could get up twice to go to the bathroom. But I love it when I have to think to myself in the morning, did I even get up last night? Ah, That means you did sleep well. And most of the time, since I read this book, most of the time I sleep well. I sleep, I sleep six hours most of the time.
1: I'm doing pretty good right now, but I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted. You know, we've got, it's this caregiver life. It just ebbs and flows and all kinds of directions. But I think these tactics are going to help remind me and the more we're reminded um, of the things I need to do so that when I find myself not sleeping, I can try to get back, get back to good.
0: Well, I also use, so I like the, I like the idea of the infuser. Um, I used to do that. And then I kind of stopped doing that. I don't know why. And then I, I changed laundry detergents and I think it's called, um, I don't know. I have to I have to look it up. It's called Diva. It has Diva in it. Mm. I, got it I got it on Amazon, Diva Wash.
1: Let's well, see. I started using an infuser when I traveled because I don't particularly like the smell of every hotel room. And that's when I found that it, it was helping me actually fall asleep. You know, sleeping in different hotel rooms and traveling extensively, it can be really hard to fall asleep in a strange place. Yeah. But if I have my infuser, it makes it feel more comfortable.
0: I bet, because it just feels good to sort of wrap yourself in it. This is called Tyler Glamorous Wash Diva and I wash the sheets in it. So I kind of like put it up to my nose and I can inhale. That's beautiful. It's like, it almost feels like you're in a high-end hotel. Ooh. Where the sheets smell really delicious.
1: If I could stay in high-end hotels, I could afford to stay in high-end hotels, then I wouldn't need to travel with my infuser.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Whatever you got to do, man, that's what I think. Um,
1: well, I'm. A, I'm We're going to have a writing prompt as promised for our listeners. Um, And it's going to be also about sleep because this whole episode is about sleep. Who's getting it? (laughs) Who's not? Um, But we had a listener respond to our call out for writing submissions to be read on the air.
0: Yay. Tell us about it. So it came from
1: Teresa Coomer who is a caregiver in, um, in Illinois, and she cares for her husband. Um, He has post-traumatic stress and she's very open. She has a blog. We'll put a link to her blog in our show notes today. Um, And she's, I was telling you before the show, she's just like one of the most patient people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. I agree. And to, sh- you know, one of the things that you and I have learned is that sharing our story, our struggles, our coping tactics, it helps us. We hope it helps other people, but it really helps us in our journey of recovery. And I think Teresa has found that as well. So I want to just read a paragraph that she wrote.
0: Okay.
1: Marcus finally emerged from our cave of a bedroom after I had fed and showered the kiddos. I wanted to let Marcus be part of story time if he wanted to since it's one of our favorite times of day. We have a practice routine where I always try to invite him to participate in things so that he can judge if he's up for it without any expectation of him joining so that he doesn't have to feel guilty if he chooses not to participate. And then we get to relish in his participation when he can. I don't always practice this perfectly, I'm human. However, when done in this way, it saved all of us emotional anguish because we recognize that Marcus does not pick and choose his heavy PTSD days.
0: Well, that really speaks. I mean, our care recipients don't choose their good days or their bad days. No, they don't. That really, that really um, gives me chills. Yeah, it fills my eyes a little leaky and gives me chills because her her acceptance of where he is. When, wherever he is, where he is, she just accepts that. And she's teaching her children that. She has two young children. Mm -hmm. One is, is the baby a year, is she a year? Yeah, I think she just turned a year. And she has a little boy and she's teaching her, she's modeling how how to be with her dad and really people outside of their family. What so much compassion there. I had the
1: opportunity to spend a few days with um, Teresa and her family. And at an event, her husband was there, children were there, my brother was there. And she's really modeling this behavior, this um, practiced routine, as she calls it, for other caregivers, you know, to give her care recipient choices to participate. Um, and not to set the expectations so high that you're constantly being disappointed when they choose not to participate. Um, but you're you're celebrating when they do. Mm-hmm. And I think we all need to look at that. Um, this is an isolating life for us, for many of our care recipients. And sometimes, a lot of times, they can't, they can't engage. And I think the way that she addresses it here, it just
0: makes me realize it's okay. It's just okay. Yeah. It's a, it's the place they're in right at that particular moment. Yeah. So I
1: yeah. beautiful piece. Thank you so much, Teresa, for sharing it with us and sharing it with with our listeners. You, you know, she you're really living this caregiver life. I know that you're one of our loyal listeners too. So huge shout out to you. I'd I love to have you on the show. So this is an official public invitation for her to join us.
0: <laughs> well, we'll reach out and ask her if she'll, if she has some dates that we could hook up in and, um, and, and get her on the show. I think she has so much to share, especially with young kids because our kids are older now. Yeah. You know, so we come from a different place to it. And I and great to yeah, it. and I think I I know that we have uh, listeners who are uh,
1: under age forty. We have quite a few listeners on that are probably raising children and have a lot of uncertainties in their life. And and maybe Teresa can share some other tactics that she uses with her kids.
0: I wonder if Teresa has issues sleeping. So we'll have to ask her if she does.
1: Yeah, for sure, especially with little ones and a care recipient that maybe isn't. Isn't able to get up and and see to their needs.
0: What is our what is our writing prompt, Jen? Oh, Mayor. Okay, so you're the teacher
1: here, and we were talking about the writing prompt, and I realized, you know, there's a method to the madness of this. You can't just tell people write about subject X,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to have something to go with, you know, something you have to get. So you need something to get you started. That's right. So, um.
1: We're going to start off with, it's sort of a three-step writing prompt. So step one, make a list of five things that keep you up at night. It could be something physical. It could be something on your mind, you know, whatever is keeping you up at night. Then make a list of five things that you've done to help you sleep. Successfully,
0: that have been successful.
1: Yeah. So we have, we've got two lists now, five things that keep you up five things that have helped you sleep better and then pick one from each list and write about them okay i'm gonna
0: do the prompt today okay and then and then i'll see how it goes well maybe we'll read some of it for the next podcast yeah that would be
1: great we'll be sure and put this on our social media along with of course all the links um from today's show and we're looking forward to Hearing from more caregivers to reading some more of your writing and sharing with our listeners. And I love your book, Mayor. I'm going to put a link in the show notes.
0: Oh, good. wouldn't it be great if he could be a guest on our show? But he was a New York Times bestseller writer. So
1: (laughs) Well, we're a top 10 caregiver podcast. so.
0: So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he could specifically speak to caregivers since since we have sometimes extraordinary things that keep us awake at night
1: for sure. Oh, I did want to say something. So uh, I did a little research outside of the caregiving world about sleep too. I, I checked out the CDC website and there's all kinds of great information and there's also a lot of data and statistics. And it turns out that um, civilians or people who aren't caregivers, the general population, um, they're not sleeping and they're mostly not sleep sleeping in the Southeast and the East Coast. I wonder why. Well, I think people maybe in the Midwest, people west of the Mississippi are generally finding better ways to sleep, maybe because the East Coast turns itself off at 5 p.m., which is 2 p.m. Pacific. Maybe that helps. Um, I'm not sure, but I found that very interesting. So you and I are in the no sleep hot zone.
0: Yeah, we concur that happens. (laughs) verify
1: the cdc information
0: well i hope you have a good sleep tonight well i'm
1: gonna um em- employ some of these tactics and um i'm also i'll probably write tonight maybe before bed i like to write before bed i know a lot of people like to write first thing in the morning but i like to be reflective uh and
0: i'm i'm gonna try to have a good night's sleep and i i hope you do too mayor Oh, thanks. I hope I do too. I think I'll write. I usually write in the afternoon. That's the quietest time for me here. I get Tom set up on his breathing machine and everything and things just kind of, you know, quiet down. It's like almost like nap time when the kids were little. I don't nap usually during that time. I don't usually nap because it will keep me awake. I have to have not slept the night before, which I recently had that experience. Mm-hmm. thing one night she it, it came out of nowhere it was the sh- strange and I was awake and uh, I was really a big bout of insomnia that night and then I had to take a nap I had I just couldn't stay awake anymore but I typically don't so I'll write this afternoon for this prompt and see what I come up with well I'm looking at rules. <laughs> how great it has to be it's just you're just going to take it and go with it it's, it, and
1: but if it's amazing or if you feel really moved, share it with us. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it on
0: my blog. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, Mara, if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook at This Caregiver Life and Twitter at This Caregiver and our email, Life at gmail.com and our blog, no, not our blog, our website at This caregiverlife.com.
1: Yeah, and that's where you can submit uh, you can contact us through the contact page um, that our website is ever evolving so keep keep checking for updates we're um, working on
0: it a little bit at a time all the time oh that's a good way of putting that all right Jen until the next time till next time mayor